Hey, we're Ramones of the Day, and this is Lock It Love. One, two, three, four. Welcome, one and all, to Ramones of the Day, the podcast examining every Ramones song alphabetically from 53rd to the word zero. I am Philip. And I'm Molly. And today we are discussing Lock It Love. <laughs> This is from 1970s Rocket to Russia, their third album. Uh, Credited as written by Ramones, but there is uh, there is a there's a dog in the fight for Dee Dee having written this one, Mm -hmm. Uh, according to Tommy, who I think as like an extra bit of their documentary End of the Century. Okay, they just made him run down every song or the first three albums of who wrote what. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. I mean, it's the type of thing where it's like, it almost looks like torture of an old man. But yeah. for someone like me, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, uh-huh. Totally. What do you got? What do you got? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. It also seems like kind of a DD, a DD ditty. Sure. Did-dy, I got did-dy, some did-dy. thoughts on that. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I gave this a song category. Category? Category. <laughs> of love. Because it's got the word love in it. Sure. And it seems like it's about it. Can you just one more time for me, <laughs> give me the category? No, because I have some thoughts on this song and I want to know. I'll other. try. Uh, love, party, misbehavior, political, fighting. Um, did I say political? I think that's the major ones. Okay. That's the major ones. All right. I have I have another suggestion, but I'm gonna bring it up later. Okay, I'm gonna save it. All right, like a like a big surprise. The rem- <laughs> so stay tuned, everybody. Mm-hmm. You don't know, she's holding a a bag with a question mark. <laughs> it's gonna be a big reveal. <laughs> uh, the Ramones played this song live. Can you guess how many? Times? I'm gonna guess 149 times. Nope. <sighs> 200 you're, times. You are off. With 200, you guess you're off by 198. What? They played this song two times. What? What's up, Montreal and Webster Hall, New York City? Interesting. They played this song two times. Well, okay. Let's look at it. It's okay. a pretty fat song. Like it's verbose. Yeah. Yes. And I. It's coming in at. Uh, 2.11, so it's not that long. Not that long, but no. I mean, that's a lot of words in 2.11. Yeah. I didn't do the count because not the first album, but I should have. Um, I wonder, you coined the phrase Jingle Jangle. Sure. And I feel like this I don't song, think I did. I think I just stole it from someone, but well, on this podcast, I on did. On this, the <laughs> first person it counts. Uh, I, the, I've... The live versions that I've seen, and mostly like covers, don't have the jingle jangle. There is a bounce that happens with the album cut of this mm-hmm. that I think is kind of central to why, if one were to love the song, not to spoil the ending, another big mystery. <laughs> um, no, but like that's part of its charm is yeah. that bounce, and it just doesn't come through when you do it like a straightforward punk song yeah 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 um and i wonder if that kind of goes into it that's interesting it's yeah okay but also is this this song Mm -hmm. is off the first album no No. it's off the third album it's off the third album. dude the third okay sorry i lost my mind rocket (laughs) yes okay lost my mind is on another album lost my mind never mind never mind never mind okay 
Sorry, lost my mind. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, okay. So. No, that's my thoughts about the jingle, jingle jangle. jangle. Anyway, the it, jingle this, jangle. This, very this important. feels like very important. Like this is as jingly and jangly as we're gonna get. Yeah, and but I again, I I think I I've used this term in the past, swing. And mm-hmm. that is actually what I'm looking for. Okay. The jingle jangle. And Joey brings a jingle jangle in his voice. Mm-hmm. You know, that somehow it happens vocally. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's not saying lovely, lovely, locket love. He's saying lovely, lovely, locket love. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, there's a <laughs> weird bounce yeah, to totally. it. That he's kind of swallowing a little bit, but also, yeah. Totally. Um, oh, do you have more facts? I have a couple um, more facts. Go. No, well, I don't really of, have any facts. Sort of facts. I just have reveal theories. Okay. I have sort of facts. What happened to this girl in this song? Okay. This is where it starts to get interesting. Okay, good. Oh, now it is. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> she she broke this guy's heart. Uh-huh. So he's letting her go and she's dying or he killed her. Did he kill her? Okay. So at first... Did he poison her hanger? Yeah. At first I thought that this was something about him being hurt by this but then i realized i think this is a murder ballad I i'm serious <laughs> okay do you know what murder ballads are it's like a specific genre of oh, really? like country music like hill oh. music um okay. uh the violent femmes did a murder ballad okay um but if you look at it i mean he's basically saying he's gonna kill her yeah and my question is, like, are, what's going on in this song? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, at one point, I think it's whatever I found these lyrics. It says that he's saying, um, I'm hanging too, but it sounds like he's saying, I'm hanging you. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure he's saying, I'm hanging you. Maybe they're both doing it. Maybe it's a murder-suicide. Is it a murder-suicide ballad? I I think it it feels pretty clear to me, but this is why I think it's so clearly a Dee Dee song. Okay. Because the storytelling is, it's giving you a whole story, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's giving you a whole story that I feel like he's saying, I'm killing this girl. Okay. How does the locket part come in? Well, this is just me. like a locket. Exactly. I mean, I I almost get the feeling that he's like strangling her with this locket. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. Yes. No, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like getting a Albert Hitchcock Presents moment. Totally. Picturing. But I mean, I think that that is something that Dee Dee did very well was tell a story like a film inside of a song, mm-hmm. you know, and it is um, a bit, not obtuse, it's a bit of uh, gray. There's some gray in here where mm-hmm. I guess you could, you could make, I think, uh, you could make a statement for the song being the other way around. Okay. That maybe um, he's the one dying. Maybe no. Um, because yeah, he's hanging, he's hanging on too long, and he has heartbreak and that kind of thing. Okay, um, but I think he's hanging on to her, choking her with a locket her too long. <laughs> yeah, because of heartbreak. Yeah, that makes sense. maybe. I mean, that makes sense for the song. Not, I'm not condoning that. Yeah, but then it's also like, what is this song condoning? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, they don't what care, is man. this song about? That I think you figured it out. Because then we're gonna go into another song. <laughs> no, after yeah, this one, yeah, that's no, like, which is also, geez. 
questionable. But um, yeah, so that's that's my that's my big reveal is that I think this is a murder ballad. I think this is okay. a murder ballad, but it's totally Ramones A, and they do it in such a jingle jangly way that you don't even notice it's a murder ballad because they're just like, Haha, I'm killing you. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know country music well enough, but I think it's interesting that you pick up on that because that whole genre is jingle jangle, right? And that's their. And a lot of that sort of thing is like, I'm going to, you know, like, my girl did me wrong, so I'm going to get my gun and find sure. her. I mean, well, that, I mean, that's that's part of what that is. So, yeah, I wonder if that is them kind of, however consciously, subconsciously or not, channeling into and being like, well, well you know, this the is the thing. juxtaposition is part of the storytelling, right? Yeah, sure. Because it's, you know, if you're not really listening to the lyrics, this song is so teeny boppery almost. Uh-huh. And then you really lock in on those lyrics, lock it in. Yeah. And uh, it's like, whoa, this is pretty freaking dark. And I think that's what's great about this band is they get those dichotomies that really make them unique and fun and weird and, you know. Sure. No, I agree. Um, Earlier on another song, we were talking about how, like, the median song sort of raises... Or drops the whole album. Sure. If, if the, if the, like, B-team songs... Yes. ...suck, then probably the album isn't the best Ramones album. Right. But if the B-team songs are pretty good, then... I bet that's across the... That's not just a Ramones album. Sure. That's anybody. But um, we're only talking about Ramones. But I mean, that's the only band I've listened to. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I remember distinctly hearing Rocket to Russia... And getting to the song and you got through the first three, which are like well known. They're on live versions. They're on the greatest hits. Yeah. And then get to this. And my first thought was this wasn't on a live album or a greatest hits. It hit me mm. so hard. Yeah. You're like this should have this should have been something. I, mm. And like they didn't they played it two times. Yeah. I, I don't say this often with this because i realize it's kind of stupid especially given all the context we're giving to the lyrics but i feel like this could have been a hit like this could have kind of been yeah for exactly the reason you're saying where if you're not actually listening to the words it's just a teeny bopper fun time teeny bopper fun time yeah i love that it is totally and like yeah i can play it over and over again maybe it's because their wall of sound is impenetrable for some people Hmm. it feels too aggressive maybe i don't know i i can't i'm just trying to wrap my head around it too you know there's a million reasons i guess you could think of why something works or something clicks or something doesn't but it just seems like this i don't know something about this i've always been drawn to the sound of it and and it's it's one of their bounciest songs and it just seems like this like everybody should get behind this. Yeah. Maybe it was almost like that era didn't exist. Maybe this should have been had this come out five or ten years earlier, you know. Okay. Around the time of I Want to Hold Your Hand, it would have been like the right style of music, musically, I mean. Yeah. Maybe not the maybe not the murder part. Maybe not but, the um, murder. <laughs> maybe not the murder. No, I, um, yeah, I, I, I that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's when I knew Rocket Rush I had it. Was this, this one. 
Super good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, are you going to vote on it? Sure. I mean, I love it. I mean. I like it, love it. I like it, love it. I like it, love it too. Great. And part of me wonders how much I like it, love it for the fact that they didn't. I mean, it's, it's weird. It's like some weird, great song that only you know about and cherish. (laughs) So that makes it more special. Did they not care about the song? I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to say. And that's why it would be fun to have somebody with us at all times that knew, you know. (laughs) What was going on in their heads? Yeah, well, what was going on at the time? Because who knows why a song doesn't go. For some reason, producers aren't behind it or they don't think it'll go. Or, I mean, I have no idea. Or maybe they did think it was too murdery or whatever. I wonder, too, and I mean, this is early on in their career. But later in their career, they'll have some songs that are like, oh, that's like that's pretty good but that wasn't the single and whatever and i wonder how much the lack of success warps their perception of what works and what doesn't yeah totally i mean they're already on sort of a tilted world view anyway so i mean that they just like fart this one out and be like ah we played it twice and didn't really work and i'm like didn't really work work harder Get, well, I think there's something to be said, too, because they are a band that tours so much, and yeah. if you really look at what they're playing, I mean, they're not really playing any songs that don't fit into that punk thing. That's true. So, I guess it's, I, it seems to me actually kind of obvious why they don't play some songs, you know, because, mm. whatever, Johnny's not going to get out the acoustic guitar <laughs> in between Blitzkrieg okay. Bob and, well, like... yeah, I get that. <laughs> I get that. But, it, and I mean, I, maybe I'm just compartmentalizing it, but it just seems like this is just such a nice chestnut. And of, knock it out of the park? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, mate. It's so hard to say. Yeah. Uh, do you have a most valuable? I'm going to give it to Dee Dee. Okay. I think on this one, if you believe you wrote it, which I do. I believe you wrote it. I'll tell you something. I, and I, I give love, it to him, too. I love Joey's songwriting, but there is something about Dee Dee's songwriting where he, I think... Somehow, and this is so funny because uh, on the, I, as I have mentioned before, I have rewatched the <laughs> Rock and Roll High School again with the commentary from the director. And at one point, he says that he remembers when they were trying to get Didi to say his line in the first day of the game in the script, and he was like, Oh, Didi can't even read. <laughs> and he just says that, like, Oh, Didi can't even read. And I'm like, Is that true? Didi was such an amazing writer. Yeah. Can it really be? I mean, he must. Can it be that he can't read or he is just that won't? really true? I mean, I just feel like that can't. There's no way that can be true. He's such a prolific writer, and he understands the nuance of storytelling in this really crazy deep way. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just putting too much on his lyrics, but I don't think I am. Like I. No, I think I. I mean, I don't know. I feel like sometimes we. We go real far with this type of thing, but I mean, if we're not, if we're gonna go far anywhere about Didi Ramon, then why not here? Yeah. Um. Uh, but I also think that like he he was this unique character who expressed himself in certain ways and did a lot of those things really big. Mm-hmm. So some of those were self destructive. Yeah. And some of those things were just like. He responded so strong, probably to music. Yeah, he's like I, he just wrote compulsive songs. about it. Yeah, I, I actually not so recently, but sort of recently read uh, Vera Ramon's book. Oh, how's that? Poisoned Heart. 
How was it? it you know, it's pretty good. I bet it's, it's great. It is interesting to get that perspective. Definitely. From the wife. Yeah. But she told this story about how, like, they had a cat for a while. And she left for the day. And so much of the book is, like, how she just can't leave. Oh. Because he's... Crazy. I mean, it's it's like having a wild cat. Yeah. But he left... She left him with a cat, and he was sitting there writing songs. Like, and that's another part of the book. It's like, it's like all he does. Yeah, he just writes songs and gets high. He yeah. writes songs, and he cops for dope. Yeah. But he uh, wrote a song and accidentally burned off the cat's whiskers. Okay. And the most telling part, didn't know he did it. Okay. And I feel like it's just that tunnel vision. Yeah. And so, to the earlier point of, like, he can't read... I don't know, and I think it almost doesn't matter because he figured out enough to be like, well, the words are this, and this is the song, and that's it. And, like, reading it is irrelevant. Somehow. It didn't matter. Yeah. He absorbed enough <laughs> information. But the storytelling is it. so good. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. I think he just... Just got it in his soul. And I think it didn't he did. Matter, yeah. Or just thought like, well, I'm either I'm going to tell it honestly or mm-hmm. I'm going to do the most interesting thing I can think of. Yeah. I mean, what's... what's there's nothing been, more interesting than murder. It so. just seems like he must have been such a like tortured dude, huh? I imagine so. Yeah. I imagine so. Um, especially when you consider like by the end of his time with the Ramones when it seemed like his biggest asset of writing songs was not necessarily the reason that they needed a bass player yeah which i mean they never really talked about that but i wonder how much that like distanced him to be like i'm a guy who expresses himself this way Mm -hmm. you express yourself through right-wing anger (laughs) you know like it's not the same yeah And, and that on top of everything else was probably another friction. It'd be like, these people don't see the world that I yeah. do. Yeah. I I do this. Yeah. I almost feel like, especially reading his biography about mm-hmm. the Ramones, just seems like he's just living in another dimension. You it know? seems like it. Like, sometimes there are people on this planet that I think they just, they're here and they're having this human experience, but maybe they're not <laughs> in the right time or they're yeah, just, yeah. their souls are so old or so, you know... No, and knew that they feel like they're like getting their sea legs the entire time they're on the planet. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to try to make this real pretentious. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I was thinking about the other day about the auteur theory. Okay. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the auteur theory is this thing that came uh, from uh, the French New Wave, which was the idea that if you studied a film director's body of work, First of all, the, the director was the true writer of the film. Okay. And if you studied their work, you could see themes appear that were probably more personal to them. And the classic example is Alfred Hitchcock, where like even though he wasn't technically the writer on those movies, he's clearly the biggest influence, and it's got all these little like things that it was like there's weird mother stuff going mm-hmm. on, there's this weird like uh, woman stuff going on. There's mm-hmm. just like it, it just appears. And I thought, of, my point is, I was thinking about the auteur theory, and now people kind of come at it as, like, directors announce their themselves as an auteur, and yeah. this is like, this is what I do. But a guy like Hitchcock and a guy like those old school filmmakers just made movies all the time. 
Yeah. And they made movies so much that you couldn't help but get those things in there. And I feel like Dee Dee's kind of in that realm, too. Yeah, yeah. He's an auteur. Well, in a way. Because totally. he's just, like, he is just writing songs all the time. Yeah. And it's it's crazy. I've been I've been backing away from this. But the only two people I can think of that are like that are, like, Bob Dylan and Prince. Mm-hmm. They sure. just write songs all the time. Yep, that's what, what they do. It's what they do. Yep. And... I'm sure there's other people, but right now in my world, Bob Dylan, Prince, and Dee Dee Ramone yeah. walk into a bar. Yeah, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great movie. They all look at each other and then say, I should go write a song about it. <laughs> Thank you very much. I really like ba, that ba, ba, ba. It needs to be like a Steve Martin play. But, uh, that's such a niche joke that <laughs> that's what we're here even for. if you wanted to tell it again, probably couldn't. <laughs> But I loved it, and I hope you tell it again somewhere. Well, we'll see. Come and find me at the Laugh Factory. No, I don't know. No. Uh, Okay, we did the Love. We did the Didi. You got any other rando uh, French film auteur theory things? I got nothing. All right. I love this song. The end. The end. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening today. Uh, Please follow us on Twitter. We're at Ramones Podcast. And join us next time, please. We'll be discussing Loudmouth on Ramones Day.